You are tuned in to WMNF Tampa, where we don't test our programming on animals. We know the universe loves good music and the truth. Support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Hurricanes, lightning, flooding, and tornadoes affect the entire state of Florida. The team of meteorologists from the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network keeps you informed around the clock. All year long, they are committed to providing in-depth weather coverage over the radio and on the mobile app, Florida Storms. The Florida Public Radio Emergency Network is supported by Citizens Insurance. Online at citizensfla.com. Good morning, y'all. This is Annie Ellis on the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your host is myself, since Kenny Coogan is still in Japan. I can't wait to hear his stories when he comes back. Before we get started, I wanted to tell y'all that I went to a a show this weekend. It was fantastic. Uh, Joe Ellen uh, had um, uh, the people from the Jobsite Theater on her show, Art in Your Ear. That's on, what day is that on? Friday at noon. And I listened to it. Uh, Thanks, Bill. (laughs) And uh, she had the people on there uh, from Jobsite Theater, and they did uh, a show called Alice. And I was so enthralled by her show uh, on the radio with these people that I booked uh, two tickets and went with my best friend, Joe Howden. Hey, Joe's probably listening. And um, it was fantastic. It's not going to be there very much longer, so I encourage everybody to go. It's a very intimate, small theater, and it is, you know, you're involved in it, and it is like a little bit like Pee Wee's Playhouse, and it's a little bit like the Muppets, and it's all fantastic. Uh, I encourage you so much to go to that if you like art uh, and music and innovative uh stuff like that. So uh, I encourage you to go. So I just wanted to let everybody know about that. And I also wanted to tell y'all that I got a singing telegram from Blue House Florals. Uh, she came over. We've had her on the show. She does beautiful floral work and she's bringing back the singing telegram. She came to my house and brought me a, a floral bouquet from that she grew organically in her yard and sang me a song that she made up for me with the ukulele. And it was fantastic. It is still making my day. And that was on Friday. I had my birthday. So uh, I just also encourage y'all to do that if you can. It's It was fantastic. She's the greatest. So now back to today. So today we're talking with Oscar Nurse, and he is a premier arborist, owner of Nurse's Tree Service, and has been a professional in tree care for close to 30 years. Uh, His goal is for the health of the tree and not necessarily the desires of the tree owner. I know that sounds a little crazy, but what he does is if a tree owner wants something terrible done to the tree, he will educate them. 
And that's not a very usual thing. I've known him to refuse jobs because it wasn't the right thing for the tree. And, uh, you know, if we, if the tree people, all the arborists and the, the tree trimmers in town uh, know how to uh, re-educate our, uh, their potential client, I think our trees would be in a lot better shape. So welcome to the program, Oscar. So glad you're here. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I have my, uh, he's on Zoom, and I, have, I brought my computer in for the very first time today uh, so I can actually see him. He is the handsomest guy. So if, <laughs> if you just wanted to have him come over so, and give you an estimate just so you could be in his presence, it wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's for real. So uh, I'm so happy you're here, uh, Oscar, and because you, Oscar's been my tree trimmer as a, as a professional garden designer for probably about those 30 years, just about, you know, uh, 27, I think of it. Yeah. We've known each other that long. And he's the kind of person that I could have look at a tree and leave on the site and I could leave and I would know that it would be perfect. Um, and I'm very, very particular about that. So he is just the best. So I want to talk to you about a bunch of things. I have a lot of questions that I came up with. So uh, we'll just go ahead and get busy. Um, how many times or when... When are the times that we need to trim our trees, and when and what does that involve, Oscar? Well, <clears throat> keeping, up, keeping up with the care of a tree and a time for pruning is, is basically, it's before storm season for sure, but going into the fall to winter months is the best time to do large limb removals. Um, whenever the tree needs something, whether it be pruning or limbs removed, it's really based on the structure slash tree relationship. You want to keep the trees safe around people and around structures, but you don't want to just cut because you think you want limbs gone. Yeah, you think. Sometimes, yeah. Right. Sometimes the tree is going to need the foliage, and whether it be a stressed tree or a small tree or even just a healthy, mature tree, they are reactive to what we do. Yeah. And we have to do what's right to these trees to keep them healthy. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that, too, because, you know, I've been seeing a lot of this thing that's called uh, lion tailing. And oh, yes. you want to talk a little bit about that and, you know, what's going on with that and what that exactly sure. is and why people are doing it, really. Well, lion tailing is, is, a, is a bad practice. It's the worst, it's, in my opinion. It's one of those things that, yes, I agree it's kind of a cultural thing. People have seen it for so long that they think it's, they think it's right or they think it's okay. The, the sales point, when a person comes to sell that kind of work, they're going to say that the wind will pass right through the tree. In a storm, the tree is going to be better off, which is not accurate. Uh, lion tailing takes away from the, from the growth of a tree, the proper growth. It's when you strip the limbs, you take all the foliage, any green epicormic growth from basically from the trunk out to the ends of the, of the uh, limbs, it, so it, it looks, looks like a lion tail. It looks like a lion's tail. Right. It looks horrible if you know what a tree is supposed to look like. Right. People do it for a lot of odd reasons, but I think they've seen so much of it that they think it could be a good practice. But in, in fact, it's a horrible way to try to maintain a tree, and the tree suffers because of it. I've noticed that um, I live close to Suburb Beautiful, and I've noticed that over the course of, I want to say, five years that that has all the trees along that all those streets over there, which was a beautiful uh, canopy-covered streets, and they still are, but they're not beautiful anymore because they've all been trimmed up 
to within an inch of their life. And, you know, the thing about line tailing, uh, I mean, you described it perfectly, but then what does that do to a tree besides, like, I do know that when the winds come, instead of the, the branches that were there that would split it up, the leaves and branches that were there that would split the wind up, it twists the end, right? So then compromises the uh, the, the tree because it might twist the limb off. But what... Um, you know, what is that that people are just continually doing that? I mean, I don't even understand how this is happening. Well, I have I've dealt with potential clients and some clients who thought at some point that that was the way to go. And why do they think that? Because they've seen well, during, it? Because they've seen it so many places. During the 90s, it was very popular oh, okay. to lions, lions tail a tree. And everyone thought it was okay. While the storms come, and you have to realize that every time you make a cut on a tree, even if it's small, there's a point of decay that develops if the tree heals the wound. And if it doesn't heal the wound, it's a more excessive point of decay. You're stripping the, the energy from the tree by taking that, all that foliage out. Also, what happens after it's been lion's tail, the tree will compensate by pushing out new growth in the same areas. Yeah. And sometimes it'll look like a bush between the trunk and the top of the crown. It just fluffs out. And a lot of foliage because the tree is compensating for all the losses of the um, the feed, which is the leaves. Yeah, I heard uh, that called water sprouts when people say that. It's the just the line along that stripped out branch that are straight up, you know, trying to feed itself. Because that's basically what you're saying is that the leaves are actually feeding the tree. And if it doesn't get enough food that it's producing, it starves and weakens. And then then it falls down and people blame the tree, which is not the tree, it's human error. So if uh, so, then what? people come back, right? And then they cut those branches off. Yes, they do it again. They'll cut the limbs off. You'll see weak or dead or dying limbs develop if the tree can't produce enough energy by pushing out more water sprouts or economic growth. And if it cannot, you'll start seeing died out, <clears throat> dying out limbs. Now, one thing about that, a lot of people do it because they think, well, those limbs in there are going to die anyways. Well, that's not necessarily true. If a tree is growing in its natural form, one thing about trees is they are very good at being trees. We don't really <laughs> need to do a whole lot. I mean, that's just the truth. Now, the, the only real point for trimming trees is to keep that tree and the structure relationship or the human and the human and tree relationship intact. You want to keep them safe. You want to keep your structure safe. But where I was going with that is in the interior of a tree, sometimes you'll have limbs that die out. And sometimes they are the water sprouts or epiformic growth. But that's based on shading. And that's a good reason to do some light pruning or some windowing, which is thinning out the, the crown of the tree just a bit, opening up some areas of sunlight to allow for the tree to not have to compensate by pushing out these water sprouts and then having them die out based on shading. So oh. it's a balance. It's always going to be balanced. So you're saying that uh, if you thin it a little bit properly, then you're yes. going to get more growth in the correct areas. So it's going to feed itself in the with the, the right limb structure. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right, yes. I didn't know and also that. Some, I'm sorry, say again? I didn't know that. That's a good to know. And one thing about this, these water sprouts, some of them can develop into not necessarily limbs. You don't want them to get too big because the attachment to the, to the actual limb is not as solid as a natural limb. So when they do come up, you develop the ones that are stronger. You take out some of the weaker ones or the thinner ones, but you don't necessarily, and you absolutely do not take them all out. You pick the ones that you think are stronger 
you let them grow. A tree naturally doesn't look like um, whatever this lion's tail thing is as far as what people think is nice. A tree will never grow like that naturally. So you want the tree to look like a natural structured tree, the crown to have plenty of foliage, and there to be some interior limbs as well. That's the natural way and the, the proper way to, to uh, maintain a tree around structures or around humans. That's an interesting thing that you're talking about because, you know, I've always thought that when those uh, those inferior limbs are growing up because they're trying to compensate, that they're interfering with the internal wood structure of the main branch it's on. Is that correct? Well, it's not that they interfere. And the tree, again, it, it will compensate by pushing them out in the proper areas for balance. Um, they don't necessarily interfere, and but they can become too big. And once they get so heavy, again, the, the, the limb attachment with water sprouts is not as strong as a natural limb uh, to a trunk attachment. So if they get too big in a storm, they can get tested. And I mean really big. It's near, near the size of a, a major limb in a tree. And this is an older tree we're speaking about. Um, they should be reduced. Um, yeah. But don't take them, unless you really need to, don't take them out. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the beauty of uh, having historical knowledge like you, uh, because you actually know, you've been doing it for so long, you can actually judge what is the right one that's not going to harm that interior of that tree that's going to weaken it. Um, you know, people that just visually go at it, <laughs> you know, what do they yeah. call those, what do they call those as a, Wuffle ho, or is, what is the thing where they just cut off all the limbs? They just, it's a tool that they do, right? Uh, uh, what do you mean, like hat racking or topping? Mm, I don't know. I, I was thinking there was a particular tool that they go in there, you know, Bubba or Joe Blow or whatever goes in there, and he has, he's not an arborist. He's employed by the arborist. Oh, yes. And he goes in there and just, you know, hacks off whatever he wants. And that's another thing I guess I need to bring up is that. Um, you're an arborist, and you're you know you have high skills on this. And I I remember actually watching uh, Oscar. Um, he would just climb the trees with ropes uh, and uh, pulleys and such. Uh, and, I still do. Yeah, it's amazing actually to watch. It really is. And so when people would do that, you know, I know that they know what they're doing, but they, but then there's these other guys that are employed by the arborist, right? And they may have learned bad uh, techniques from whomever. Uh, and they, so then they are doing the work for the owner, which is the arborist. So there's no overseeing to it. And I think that that's a real important thing for people to remember when they're getting their tree trimmed, you want the arborist there. You know? That's a good point. That's a good point, Annie. Yeah. There are a lot of good companies out there who do proper tree work, and there are oh, some yeah. guys who they're overseen and their arborists are on site, or they're instructed to the point of learning, and they understand some of the practices that are proper. But again, with the guys who don't have that necessarily have that knowledge, they're just out there trying to feed their families. Oh yeah, it's I mean, it's a cultural thing. If the education was a little bit higher, and I don't mean you know, school education, just to tree education. If they knew a little more about what they were doing, it would make the entire city, if, if not further, just a safer place. You wouldn't have limbs falling. You wouldn't have so many insurance claims. And ultimately, the people would, would be happier knowing uh, that the tree is safe. I myself am a climbing arborist. I'm actually hands-on in the tree. Um, I have guys that also climb. But when they do climb, I'm there instructing. I'm, I'm more of a, a teacher in that sense. Uh, I make sure that they know what's going on and they know how to do it properly. And that's a big point for the younger climbers or the younger uh, arborists to be. 
they have to be properly instructed and they have to be supervised and overseen. And that's a very good point, Annie. Do, uh, you know, a long time ago, they used to use those, uh, what is it called, pythons? And it was those leg spears? Oh, right. The uh, hooks or um, spikes, correct. Do, do people they, use that anymore? We, we use those in, in the removal of a tree. Okay. But you never pull up a tree that you're going to prune and spike the tree. You're opening up areas for potential infection, uh, bug infestation, disease. It's just a terrible practice. Some guys still do it. I hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, the tree can survive it, but it's, it's, it's really a bad practice. Well, I've seen those uh, marks on a lot of old uh, palm trees. So I guess that's what they used to do, you know, always with the palm trees. Well, the palms, depending on how tall they are, sometimes there is, it is necessary to use spikes. But because they are fibrous and not a woody uh, plant or tree, they definitely don't suffer the way... Um, they're actually a grass, do. aren't they? They are. Monocods, yes. They're actually a grass. That's... And they definitely don't have the same problems as far as uh, spikes being introduced. But yeah. again, you don't want to spike them unless you need to. You want to keep the spikes off the trees and off the palms if you can. But in some cases, like the tall Washingtonia palms, they're they 60, 70. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not many boom trucks that go that high. So sometimes you will spike those trees. And I've, I've done that many times myself. Oh, but my God. I avoid it where I You'd have to climb all the way up to the top of that really tall thing without a boom truck. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. And I can tell you, palms, anytime you're going to do a tall Washingtonia palm, somehow when you set the ladder on the palm, the wind starts blowing no matter what. <laughs> That's just the rule, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, I think we, had, uh, we have a caller. Let's see. Yeah, we have Robert is on the phone. Let's see what Robert has to say. Hang on a second. Robert? Robert, are you there? I can't hear him. Robert, are you there? Yeah. Oh, great, great. Uh, do you have some question or statement about trees today? Yeah, I do. Um, what is, my question is, what's the best and safest way to cut down a Brazilian pepper tree because... That's yeah. a really dangerous tree to cut. There's tension on every one of those limbs. And I'm thinking now the best way to do it is just cut it down at ground level uh, at the base and then piece it up later. Oscar, can you hear him? Sure, I, I can hear you, Robert. Okay. Uh, my advice on that, depending on how large it is, and it sounds like you're dealing with a large Brazilian pepper, um, when you have that kind of pressure because of the limbs crossing, it's a very tricky thing to do. Even for someone ex as experienced as myself, you have to know where the pressure points are. And you have to be very careful. So are you a homeowner that's, that's going to attempt to do this? Oh, I've cut down a lot of them, but I've had a lot okay. of close calls. And I just recently bought a, uh, a helmet, $200, $200 helmet. It was a three or $400 helmet on, on, uh, on sale. Okay. Well, my advice would be take it small. You don't necessarily want to get under it. You don't want to cut it at the base because you can become trapped under that because the way I know them to grow is from the ground and then they just turn into a big bush and they'll grow over you and all the way around you. So I would say don't cut it from the base. Take it small from the outer edges. Make sure that the first things you cut are the ones that are going to be over your head, the ones that you can reach. But again, cutting over your head with a chainsaw is a dangerous practice as well. If I were just to tell you what I honestly feel about this, I know you have some experience with it. I would say bring someone in who has experience with this or hire a company to do it. But if you're set on doing it yourself, 
Take it small. Take your time. It's going to be a while before you finish it. Maybe take a couple days if you need to, but do not make big cuts. Make small cuts. Keep everything. Wear eye protection. You probably want ear protection. Your helmet is a good a good thing to have. Do you have chaps? Are you familiar with chaps? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not going to go any further than the helmet. Okay. Well, in that case, make sure there's someone with you. This is one thing that I keep as a rule for myself. You never climb alone. You don't climb. You don't chip alone. You don't run a chipper by yourself. You always want someone there just in case something happens. So I would say bring in someone that you can trust. Make sure they know where you are. One of our job site setups is know where you are, know the address, and it's probably your house. Make sure the person with you knows the address in case something happens. They can call emergency services, you know, and they can come out and help you. But the first thing I would say, you're going to do that in that condition. Cut it small. Take your time. Make sure someone's with you. Okay. Yeah. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying start cutting from the from the outer limbs and then work your way yes, back to the center? That's, of the that's correct. That is correct. Yes, sir. And never cut over your head is what he's saying as well. Never yeah, try cut not over to your cut head. over your head. Yeah. That's where and, kickback can be a real problem. So try not to cut anything that's up above your shoulders. And there's there's another thing about uh, the Brazilian peppers is that they will regrow from the uh, from oh, yeah. the trunk yeah you, it, you have to get the trunk out uh, and you you may have to treat it well you don't have to treat it you don't have to take the trunk trunk out but once you get it at ground level as long as you keep mowing over it about two years oh it'll starve itself it will die yeah oh good job good good to know yeah. that's no, that's sorry, really good you also can call in i'm sorry yeah. i didn't mean to interrupt you can also call in the stump grinding service there are a lot of good ones around and they can take care of that. You never have to mow over it. You could plant something where it's at. If you call the right company, they can help you yeah. with that. Now, I've cut already um, probably 25, 30 of these things. Wow. Uh, All right. Yeah. And um, But like I said, it, it's a dangerous, dangerous tree to cut uh, because it's can dangerous. Be because of the tension on all those limbs, and I, I'm just wondering what's the safest way to do it. You're, you're saying cut from the outside, work your way in. That's correct. From the outside, work your way in, and just make small cuts. That yeah. way, if there is tension, usually when you cut the outer edge, the tension is starting to release because the pressure comes from the outer edge that's pulling down on those limbs that are crossing. So cut it small. Take your time. If you have that kind of experience, I think you'll be all right. But um, do not get in a hurry. And make sure make sure someone's with you. And one of the I reasons pro. you said helmet, but make sure you're wearing eye pro, please. One of the reasons that uh, he's saying cut it small is because as soon as you take off that end piece, that that limb pops up. Oh, I know that. Oh, okay. Well, I, just for everybody else that, that's listening, oh, yeah. uh, you know, this is a radio show. It's just not us three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so for everybody that's listening, that's why you would do that. Those pepper trees, there's tension on everything. Yeah, part. they're terrible. They're a terribly invasive you know, that's, species. That's a really good point we can address next with trees, if, if you like, Andy. But yeah, yeah. Robert, that's, um, I think you can handle that. Again, just take your time. Make sure someone's there. Helmet is great. Eye pro, you need that. You probably want to protect your ears because you're going to be cutting close to your you know, close to your body, that saw is pretty yeah. loud. And um, yeah, that's what I always do, plus well, uh, whatever else I need for the job. Thanks for calling thanks in, for, Robert. We yeah, appreciate thanks for that. The advice. I, I love this this part. You know, I was waiting for something like this. Good. See, we knew you were there. Bye now. I'm glad you called, Robert. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Hope it was helpful. All right. That was great. Uh, it was yes. just what he needed to hear. Did you, What did you say? You said you wanted to talk about something? about Yes, the, the crossing limbs. The crossing limbs. Yeah. On a, on a small tree or even a large tree, 
that's one of the things that will allow for you to take out limbs from the interior of the tree or from the crown that you normally would not take. You don't want limbs crossing and growing and getting larger in girth because over time they're going to rub with the wind. Every time the wind blows, it's like sandpaper and they're rubbing against each other. One or both of those limbs are, are going to become weak and one of them's going to die or both of them because depending on how, how severe the wind is for the summer or for the winter even, uh, it's going to really rub those, those trees down to beyond the bark, which is the vascular system of the tree. Once you get past that, you're dealing with wood. Uh, the vascular system has been compromised, and at some point, you're going to have a loss of limb. Now, there is a situation where these limbs will sort of weld together. Oh, That's yeah, I've when seen start, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the limb starts, they, they start off young, and the tree grows for a long time. You'll see bark form in between the two limbs, and it seems to be one limb, which is fine. But if you run into that in a smaller tree, you want to eliminate that if you can. Yeah. And that's say, a good group. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all. Go ahead. So I was also thinking about, you know, how you get, when you get, do have a young tree, how it might, you might get it in it's a V. And so you can decide which is going to be the dominant limb and then cut off yeah, the other one. Very good point. And for the top of the tree, that's very, very crucial to, and we're talking years down the road, but we're leaving these trees for our kids and our grandkids and their oh, yeah. grandkids. If we do our job, we can leave those trees for many generations and protect them and preserve them. But yes, when you find a tree that has maybe a, a weaker um, crown or, or form, you can take one of those sides that prevents co-dominant growth, which is the reason why a lot of trees fail uh, by taking one side, like you said, Andy, and that's a very good way to go on a younger tree. You know, it's interesting when you just said about, you know, oh, well, it's going to be for our kids and so on and so on. You know, as a garden designer, I don't plant a tree unless I think it's going to be there forever. Yes. You know, and like Olmsted, who was the designer of the um, uh, landscape designer of uh, the, um, oh, goodness, it's in New York City. The uh, What's the park? In, I get blanked out. The park uh-huh. in, New York, in New York Central, City. Central. Central Park. Yeah, Central thanks. Park, yeah. Thanks. Central Park in New York City. He designed that. That isn't just a thing that was there and they just left it. Uh, it that is a completely man-made situation. And all those trees wow. were planted and all those mounds were planted, all those hills, all those dales, everything was, was planned. And so uh, those trees are old and they will. they are made to stay there forever. It's like when you see these trees in England... Uh, you know, where they, they were owned by, you know, lords and, and so on. Uh, they had these land for so long. Uh, those trees, those beautiful trees never got taken down. And you can actually see the beauty of a really fully grown tree. And yes. it is, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like okay. it. And it's such a shame to me when I see these big trees uh, that are coming down uh, a lot lately. And I've that's, I guess, another thing we need to talk about is that, you know, what's changed? I mean, we used to have protection uh, when we had these grand oaks and so on uh, or similarly large tree, and they're being removed. And, and what do we do about it? I mean, is there, do they require a permit? Do we need to go over and ask the guy or, you know, report it? Or what is up with all that? Oscar. Well, the rules the rules change, I would say, year to year, sometimes even more frequent. There are permits that are required, and the protection is there. Now, are people adhering to the rules? Sometimes they're not. Um, to take a limb over four inches from a grand tree, you have to have a permit. To cut limbs on a grand tree in general, you should have a permit, or at least have someone come out and inspect the tree, a city official, because they have good arborists, and they're very knowledgeable. And not only the rules, but the, to be familiar with what is proper for a tree. Why should you take that limb? 
they're going to tell you why. They're going to tell you why you can't take that limb. And that's a good thing. So they do have rules in place. There are permits that are needed. Most trees are protected in Tampa. Um, knowing the rules is big. Hiring the person who's going to follow the rules is even bigger, I think. Yeah, because I think that's a big one right there. someone who's just not really ethically sound, they'll do anything if you tell them that you're going to give them money. That's right. And these are the people, these are the people that they should be more educated. Right. They're not necessarily bad people but they don't know what they're doing and they're doing something well, that's going to affect and generations. Guess, you say not necessarily a bad person, <laughs> but some of it I think is, and they just want it for the money and they have zero care about the trees and the environment. I mean, you know, there's that yeah. guy that did that on uh, off of Gandhi that cut those giant trees down. And then the weird part is, is that he was fine because they said it was residential. It was not residential. And that's how we're getting, it was a uh, commercial uh, because it had all those, um, uh, little mobile homes yeah, on it and so on. But it was... Rando, so anyway, they, they were fining him a ton of money and they went back and forth and back and forth until they got it down to practically nothing. And yeah. so that's the thing is that I have found, uh, because I'm seeing these big oaks come down and, and I maybe they're getting a permit, but why are they getting a permit? Because used to, you couldn't build a house on a piece of property that was owned, uh, that was, you know, covered up by a big oak tree. You had to work around right. it. And nowadays with the way the governor changed, he took away all the... <clears throat> the local protections, and he made it a general um, uh, statewide situation to where they have, uh, uh, you can get an arborist or a landscape architect to approve a removal of these trees. And the only reason why they're removing them is because they want to put a house there and a swimming pool, and no, they don't want any foliage. So that is the truth. I mean, that is what's happening now, isn't it? Well, that, that does go on, and I believe that House Bill 1159 was designed to give the homeowners more freedom to make the choices about their trees. I believe that was the case, and when, when DeSantis signed that, it was so that you wouldn't have to jump through so many hoops to cut a couple limbs off the trees. Now, what happened was developers, builders, and homeowners started taking advantage of that by saying, well, I don't like the tree. It's dangerous. It feels scary to me, and that was enough. Hire the right person. They can sign off on it and take the tree down. It was abused. The, the, the uh, House bill was abused by so many people who found loopholes to either develop a land, cut down trees to build, or just cut down trees because you don't want them near your houses because for whatever reason you're not, uh, you just don't like the tree. Maybe you don't have the education about trees that right. lets you know they actually protect homes, which they do. Um, uh, let me, I want to stop on that. Right reason, I want to stop on that because we have somebody that's been on hold for a long time. I didn't realize. Absolutely. That. We have Kenny and he wants to talk about pruning. Hey, Kenny, are you on the air? I am. How are you doing? I'm good. Is that Kenny Gill? Hey, Kenny. Yes, that is Kenny Gill. Oh, I recognize your voice. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. I just wanted to uh, talk about two things real quick. The first one could probably drag us into a uh, rabbit hole, but um, the hat racking of crepe myrtles, uh, it's, been, it's been done. So now yes. what? How do we proceed after that's been carried out on a crepe myrtle? Um, and what is the time frame for getting it back to some semblance of normalcy? Sure. Well, that's a good question, and uh, that's something that we run across often. What is, it's called, what is it called? My crepe gosh. Crepe murder. Uh, just had it. Crepe well, murder. Crepe murder. <laughs> yeah. Ground restoration. That's what you want to start practicing on that one. It takes years, and what you do is allow for the new growth to come out, and it'll start looking like a bush or a tree maybe. Then you do reductions. 
as you do these reductions, the structure of the tree starts looking more natural. It takes probably, I would say, four to five years before it starts looking like a normal tree. But you have to maintain these reductions. Every year in spring is a good time for these. They'll bloom even better. Um, but you cut back to a, a secondary. Now, a secondary limb is one that is no less than one-third the size of the main limb. So you want to leave the main limb, cut the secondary, and leave something one-third the size of the limb that you leave there. Okay. So, and when you do this over time, you'll start seeing the natural structure start to redevelop. The tree will never be as good as it was, but yeah. if you maintain it every year, it will start looking like a tree, and you can enjoy it. It'll be there for many years, but it has to be maintained. Otherwise, like I mentioned earlier, the strength of a secondary or not a secondary, but epicormic growth or suckers, water sprouts, the strength attachment to the actual limb is not as strong as a natural limb. So if you don't maintain it, you can have failures. And I would say 10, 10 years down the road, maybe you could have a failure. A strong wind, a strong afternoon thunderstorm in Tampa, as we know, they're almost like hurricanes some days. Right. That can fail over time. So that's what you do. Crown restoration, you can look that up. And basically, if what I explained is... You said it's called crown restoration? Crown restoration, yes, sir. Okay. You know, it's, it such, a, it's such a shame uh, because, like you just said, you're trying to restore something that if it had never been massacred like that, you would just yes. be cutting cross limbs and tipping it and doing, you know, your regular tree maintenance. It's a lot less work uh, to, you know, That's handle expensive. a tree like that. That's right. And maintaining a tree that has been properly pruned is a lot cheaper than trying to correct one that's been butchered over the years. That's so so light, light pruning. When you, when you prune a tree, you start and then you finish. It should not look that much different. It should just be safer. Less dead wood or no dead wood. You know, two inches smaller, that might stay up there a little bit. But it should look safer, but very similar to how, it's, how before you started pruning it. You don't mm -hmm. change a tree much. We don't change them. We just help them. Yeah. Helping them is light. That's lovely. It's, Kenny, it's, do you uh, have anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, it's coincidental that this topic is uh, on air today because yesterday um, I knew we were going to have a few days of, uh, well, less rain or less chance of rain. So I went ahead and I pruned back my two peach trees. Oh. And um, I don't know if you have any commentary on pruning fruit trees, especially some of these fruit trees that bear on uh, last, well, let's say they'll bear on next year's growth. So have you worked with any fruit trees or do you primarily do landscaping type trees? Well, I do large trees, uh, small trees, mature saplings, fruit trees. Um, that's that's a very good question. Light pruning again. Now, sometimes in the orchards with where they had like the orange groves, they would come through with those big machines and just cut the sides off them, cut the tops off of them. And it would produce more blooms, which means more it would yield more fruit. Uh, if it's something like a peach tree, which is probably not a natural um, it doesn't naturally grow here. It doesn't really thrive here. Um, what I would say is, again, the reductions. Take the weak limbs, the dying limbs. You can reduce it from the top down or from the sides in. You do that maybe twice a year, if you like, depending on what tree it is and when it blooms. Right. Just keep pruning it once or twice a year. That way you'll have the best chance for more blooms. I know the peach trees that I've seen here in Florida and Tampa, they don't yield but maybe two or three. Now, maybe there are some that really put out a lot of fruit, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, there's uh, exactly. some particular ones that are bred for this area. You know more about that, Kenny. What's up with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could tell you a couple of the different varieties, but, like, I'm growing UF Sun and Florida Grand. University of Florida has been breeding some peaches, and you just have to look at your area. Like, people over on Davis Island, uh, maybe up in the Newport, Ritchie, Gulf Coast-type area um, where it stays more moderate. Um, they're going to be more challenged, but um, where I'm at, it 
does pretty, they do okay. Um, you just have to find those low chill peach varieties that get like about 150 hours uh, or need about 150 hours of cold chill. But in any case, I don't want to take up more time. I'm sure there's other. I want to ask you one topics. question though, Kenny, before you leave. You said that the peach uh, that you're talking about grows on, uh, blooms on second year wood. Is that what you're saying? So, yeah. So, like, I just prune, you never want to prune uh, during the, or you don't usually want to prune during the dormant season because all of your buds that are going to emerge the following um, spring will, you'll be cutting off your fruiting wood. Right. So you prune after harvest, as far as I understand. I'm not an expert at pruning peaches. Yeah, um, that makes but, sense, though. But you prune after the harvest, reduce the tree down, and then um, it'll grow back out, and all of that wood from that you know summer through fall will then produce fruit the following spring. Okay. Well, good. Kenny's uh, and the uh, the uh, the oh goodness, what is it called? The the group that we that I'm a member of, but I can't Rare think. Fruit Council. Rare Fruit Council. Can't <laughs> even think of the name. <laughs> That's <Rare> pathetic. <laughs> uh, again, I, I, there's always stuff to learn. So I was curious to hear your your take on it. So I appreciate you coming on, Oscar. Thank you. Thank yes, you, sir. Kenny. Thank you, thanks for calling, and I appreciate you as well. Bye-bye. All right. That's Bye. cool. He's so great. Uh, no. So, so uh, I wanted to talk about some other things. So let's see. I'm getting into my, my list. So um, we talked about the builders. They're removing the trees. Um, and let's see. Oh, okay. So people, this is something I think we've talked about before at another time, and that that people think that um, or realize that not all trees are worth saving, but those that are, uh, Grand Oaks, et cetera, um, aren't they getting arborists on board to uh, to get them removed? So aren't, I know that all trees are not worth saving. So how do you differentiate? You you have to get you over there or how do you, how can you tell? Me or someone like myself, someone who's educated about trees, uh, there are trees that are not protected. Uh, for example, that, that really grow everywhere you look. A cherry laurel tree. Oh, They're the right. ones that drop the blackberries. The birds eat them, and then they mess up your car. They grow quickly for a tree, and they grow tall, and they're heavy, and they're weak. So when those get – I think that's where I met you at, Annie, is there were some cherry laurel trees removed. And anyways, <laughs> that's another subject. I, I think want to tell that story now that you brought it up. <laughs> But, yeah, that's one. Uh, the mulberry tree, there's two varieties of mulberry trees. They grow very quickly like weeds even, and they'll take up a lot of space. They make a big mess, and they're just not strong trees. That's yeah. another one that's not a good one to have. They're invasive, The way to tell too. the difference. Yes, exactly. And they're just, they're just messy, and yeah. they're not going to really contribute much. If you want quick shade, you'll regret it for having grown one of those because they're not worth yeah. Uh, letting them become mature in your, in your, in your yard. They're or in dangerous, your, uh, too. Yeah. They can be dangerous. The weakness of them is the biggest problem with trees like that. They grow tall, they grow quick, they're heavy, and they will fail. Yeah. They will fail under a real condition of, of storm weather. Yeah. I want to tell that story now that you brought it up. Uh, it was it, So this is a, the sign of somebody that didn't know anything about anything, which would be me. Uh, and that was uh, 27 years ago. And so we had, I was doing a, a project at a big mansion uh, off of Bayshore and uh, as a garden designer. And there was an area along a fence line that we wanted to plant a lot of flowers and things. And so 
we took the root. We had a guy come over with a root grinder and ground a whole line along the fence line. And and because I was so ignorant at the time, uh, I learned that we cut the roots off of trees, and those trees were going to fall on the house next door. So we had yeah. to call in emergency, emergency. And uh, that's when I first met Oscar, and he came over, and they had to take that tree down. But we had to rope it up to hold it before it was because it was going. And so there we go. That's why you want to have people that are designers and people that have done things before, uh, and that you're not you're not your, their test victim. <laughs> Thank goodness we That's were right. able to resolve it, and we did a beautiful job. And quite honestly, the the landscaping was gorgeous. Uh, however, I learned a big thing that day: is do not mess with tree roots. They are there for a reason. Absolutely, and the supportive roots of a tree. Um, that's what was grinded out. And when that happened, I remember showing up on site and the trees were actually moving with the one. It was oh, actually yeah. moving as we stood there. It was starting to just lean over because the other side of the roots weren't holding. A tree needs at least 90% of the roots and you need to know the distance between the trunk and how far out before you make any um, excavation. Before you go under, under the dirt, you have to know how far you should go, what roots are structural, what roots are supportive, and where you can and where you cannot, yeah, which is a big thing for trees. It's very People like important. to put in pavers, sidewalks, and they want to re- redo their sidewalk, redo their pavers, and they decide that, well, the tree's been there, it's been fine. Well, these trees compensate very well to what we do to them. But sometimes when you go in and make some cuts, it can be catastrophic. Like what failure. happened, yeah. Exactly. Based on just one or two roots being cut, the supportive, the structural roots. If you cut those sometimes when the tree's tested, a lot of times it's going to go over, and it's it's really sad to see. Yeah, but you you did you we got it done over there, and it was beautiful, Annie. And, and quite honestly, it was a not a good tree. So uh, you know, I love trees, and I love all trees, but that tree wasn't a. It would had been over pruned uh, from the bottom up. It was just a, it was like a telephone pole. So, Do you remember what type of tree it was? I can't I remember, it was a terrible. but it was a telephone pole. So I kind of think yeah. it was one of those bad oaks. Um, but, okay. But nonetheless, hey, we have another caller. Oh, I, but I, before we go, I wanted to just say you just brought up the fact that when paver guys and sidewalk people and driveway people come over, they're not tree people, y'all. That's right. And so they're in there do, getting their job done. So they're cutting everything out because they want to get their job done. So it's really important to have a tree person come over and inspect, even if it's yes. a paid <laughs> consult, to make sure that you're not going to hurt that and <laughs> do what I did. <laughs> That's right. And you know, the city of Tampa, their arborists can help you with that as well. If yes. you know one that's outside the city, you know, regulation, a uh, private company, you can call them too, as long as they're qualified by the city. They'll send someone out. And if it's really questionable, you should call them anyways. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. Thanks for that. Uh, we have another caller and this one says almost dead magnolia, Tom. So let's see what Tom has to say. Tom, you're on the air. Well, thank you. Um, I live in a complex, the name of which is Magnolia Gardens. (laughs) And uh, it's a beautiful place, and the the state workers do a great job of keeping the driveways paved and, you know, (laughs) the trash picked up and all that Uh stuff. And you have a question about Uh, trees? Yes. Well, one of the magnolia trees right in my backyard is virtually at death's door. It's been abused, and uh, I've heard lots of bad things about magnolia trees. They got too many leaves. At any rate, I was wondering if I could fertilize it, and if so, with what? 
You want to take that? Well, sure, sure. How large is the tree? Roughly the trunk. How how the circumference or diameter of the trunk? What is it roughly? Uh, ten inches. Ten inches. So it's probably near thirty, maybe thirty plus feet tall. No, it's about twenty, fifteen. Feet okay. Tall. It's, it's All right. So then it's, it's pretty wide for a long time. So it's a wider tree. It's not so tall. It's just wide. It's not. No, uh, it's most oh, no. dead. Okay, uh, well. All the branch, almost all the leaves are gone. Oh, no. uh, There's well. one dead branch that's still hanging out. I believe it needs to be removed. Uh, is there uh, is there any foliage at all on the tree or any blooms? Pardon me? Is there, are there any, is there any foliage or blooms on the tree? Any flowers or, or leaves? No. Oh, yeah. It's that tree over. is probably gone. Yeah, that one's, you're going to have to let that one go. Uh, this time of the year, they should be blooming. Big, white, beautiful yeah. flowers. Um, plenty of leaves, waxy leaves. That's, that's going to that's gonna be how you know the tree is okay. And if you have no leaves on it or very few at this point, you might want to write that one off and uh, maybe do something else, plant something else in that space. Sorry that happened, but it's probably from human error. Like you said, people go, oh, too many leaves. It's in my way. It's got a root. It's got a branch. <laughs> And then the people uh, cut it too much, and that or cut it improperly, and that we, yeah. that's we, what happens. We did have some excavation right next to it. Oh, that's what back. killed it then. Yeah, the that's excavation is what did it. It was it was going before they started the oh, yeah. excavation. Yeah, I just I just didn't know if there was anything I could do. Well, maybe saving some of the roots. I'm so happy that you that you have back. that in your heart that you want to, uh, but you know probably in this case it's not going to work out. But no, not thanks for calling. Well, thank you for being there. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So um, let's see. What was the other thing? <clears throat> uh, and, oh, I definitely wanted to talk about this, how a large tree removal affects the whole neighborhood. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's a good subject. A lot of people don't realize. Um, when you have trees in this canopy, the city's canopy is all the trees that we have that are Touching or not touching the green area, when you fly over all the green areas, that's our canopy. Yeah. Um, for shade, shade is a one factor. It's just a very minimal factor. Outside of that, the plants, the ground, the house, the electricity bill, um, the irrigation, the water, the where it runs off, so many factors. And I know the you're animals familiar too. With the animals, if you want to cut in at any time, and I know you're familiar and passionate about this subject. Yeah. I, I mean, my my house is a wildlife sanctuary, uh, and, yes. you know, and that's be, and I have, in fact, I have so many birds uh, at my house uh, that I don't have lovers because they eat the baby lovers before they get any size. Uh, and wow. people are, they think that they're all toxic, but they're really not when they're babies. They are actually uh, baby bird food there is a native and they hatch at the same time baby birds are hatching so it's a perfect food for the babies that the mother bird comes or mother and daddy bird go and get for them uh but you know it's because i have all that uh as far as birds go i don't have a problem it's funny yeah and it, it's so much cooler Oh, I've been yeah. in your backyard, and it's so much cooler when you walk back there, even out of the direct sun in the middle of summer. You walk back there, it's maybe 10 degrees cooler. Unbelievably different. Unbelievable. It's really worth, it's worth having the trees. When you lose one in an area, especially like that, it changes everything about that area. The wildlife are gone. Uh, the ground is no longer saturated or even moist. It, it just becomes a real 
desert-like situation until more things grow in. And it's a shame to take them down for no reason because it really does. And the neighborhood suffers. These trees are valuable. Well, and Sometimes the other, you know, you're talking about uh, cooling the house and electric, uh, electric bill. Uh, you know, a lot of people cut the branches all off around the tree, uh, around the house. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if, if if you do that and you cut them to, and there's still a tree there, if you cut those lower branches, I mean, that's going to fall and hit your roof hard if a yes. storm comes rather than keeping the lower branches there, right? That's exactly right. I had a situation. We were taking down this old laurel oak tree and it was huge and it was time for it to go. It was decaying and it was falling down and failing. Well, there was a couple lapses between getting from the, the initial estimate to the job. So the guy says, well, hey, I'm putting a roof on here. Can you take off these lower limbs? I said, listen, I don't think you want to do that. And let me tell you why. The tree is failing. These lower limbs, are the, it just happened to be that they were the strongest limbs. I said, they're the strongest limbs. The top is failing on the backside. If it fails this way, and this was probably two years ago, middle of the summer when we had the strong thunderstorms. I said, if it fails from high up, these are the only things, these are the only, the only situations that's going to either slow down or stop these limbs from impacting your roof. Two days later, he calls me and he says, how did you know? I said, well, I've been doing this for a long time and I've seen this many, many times. He says, the top of the tree broke out, hit those limbs and didn't touch the roof. Oh, didn't thank gosh. So he kept them. I thought you were going to so say. He kept them. Oh, good. Oh, no, I, I refused to do it. I told him, I said, listen, I don't want to do this because this is going to be the situation. If right. that top fails, you're going to have holes through your roof. He already had the tree fail once. So he says, I'll trust you on this. And sure enough, two days later, these limbs failed up top, See? came down and landed on these limbs. We came back a few days later. We were taking the whole tree out, but there was a, a delay in equipment, whatever it was. And it saved and his roof. Saved his roof. And he put the new roof on yeah. in between that time. And that's why he was in such a hurry to get the, uh, the tree gone. But because we had some situations that slowed us down, we came back and everything worked out. The limbs that were still low on the roof or you know near to the roof caught the upper part of the tree and save the roof. So that's a true story, and it's, it's very factual. And there's another point I'd like to make if you, if you have something else. Go, go ahead, Amy. Well, uh, we have a caller. We only have five okay. minutes left, too. Oh, so my gosh, really? I know. It flies by, doesn't it? It's <laughs> so. I mean, we could talk about this all day. We do, actually. <laughs> yes, we so do. So <laughs> let me take this. This is about mangoes, so I'm not really sure if that's going to be something, you know, you're going to be an expert on. But we'll, we'll go ahead and give it a shot because we just have a few minutes. Hey, Mark, sure. you're on live on the air. Yes, ma'am. I just I planted five young mango trees, and I've used fish emulsion in the hole when I put them in. And uh, they've been in the ground about six weeks now, and I was wondering how soon I could apply more uh, fertilizer. Do you want to take I, I that would, or me? I'll partially take it. I'm not an expert like Andy mentioned on that kind of thing. But I know if you over-fertilize a tree, a fruit tree or, or, or a hardwood tree or whatever you do, you can burn that tree and, and actually cause it to die. Right. So what I would say is if, if it has fertilizer in it when it comes in, just water it. I would say six to eight weeks. Make sure it's getting water every day or twice a day. Let it take. Let the roots take. And once you see a little growth maybe next year or maybe uh, going into winter, consider it at that point. But I wouldn't do any more if there's something with it now. Okay. That's my opinion. I'm going to throw in mine as well Please. Uh, because I do a lot of edibles in my house and I plant a lot of edibles. So uh, – 
so the thing is, is that I wouldn't have put the fish emulsion in there first thing. I would have let the roots grow in first, uh, but then uh, as they start to take, put in very diluted fish emulsion uh, with water uh, to water them, you know, at least a, a month or two in. <clears throat> but that's what you did and that's what you have. So I would wait uh, and then let it catch some and then get very diluted uh, fish emulsion because fish emulsion is pretty easy going and it is organic which i love to touch what you're doing and uh but just dilute it and also i I use a filter on the water supply if it's a a water supply from the city uh you Uh can get an rv filter and put it on your on your spigot and you're you'll get a filtered water you get a lot less of the chemicals from that water and that helps a lot too Okay, I've been really pleased with it since I've been on the ground. They've probably grown six inches. Oh, that's wonderful! They, well, they got new they got new growth all over them. So great! Uh, I'm so happy you planted that many uh, edible foods. That's yeah, so good. I, I, I lost a tangerine tree this year that I'd had for thirty years. Yeah, and, uh, citrus greening. Well, no, it's. it's it must have had a thousand tangerines on it. I went away on vacation, and my wife didn't. Well, I didn't get one drop of water while I was gone. Okay. So I came home, and it was everything was dead. It was. I'm gone. sorry, but keep All your right. wife. she made a mistake (laughs) and we're out of time for callers so but thanks for calling in mark thank you i appreciate your help appreciate you all right so we're uh we're getting down to it we got a little bit of time between you and i um okay so let's see if there's anything else uh you know i'll just read this the estimated economic benefits of trees uh each year tampa's urban forest reduces 800 and uh, eight tons of air pollutants that cause respiratory problems, eliminating wow. an estimated 4.5 million in healthcare costs, and reduces residential air, building air conditioning uh, and heating by, with a windbreak, and that costs by seven million. Um, reduces 50 million cubic feet of stormwater runoff because it pulls up the water yes. it runs, and it sequesters 62. Thousand tons a year of atmospheric carbon by trees and shrub, and that's valued at eight million dollars. So, imagine what we could do if we just if we just preserved the trees. Right. <laughs> I mean, proactively, but preserve the trees. Look, look at all the losses that we're taking just based on improper procedure, improper oh, practices. Absolutely. We could change that. Yeah, we Just could. Just by doing what we should do. We really could. And I think it has to do with the homeowner needs to be a lot more proactive and not just call up the guy to do the thing. You know That's what I mean? Right. People just want to get the get it done, and they are not educated. So no. they need to educate themselves, talk to people before they act, and don't just go what you see because a lot of people, like we were talking about earlier, they think that is the proper way to trim is the line tailing. So thank you so let much. Make, let me make one point. There's a... I don't even want to mention someone's name, but there's a company that says, there's a few of them, but one specifically that says, they'll do it your way. Oh, no. Not the right attitude. Not, not the right attitude. Congress will protect, preserve, and educate. So yes. that's what you want. That's who you want. And do your best to find somebody who can help you with that. Yes. Thank you so much, Oscar. I respect and admire you so much. And I appreciate Thanks. you being on here. I think we got our point across today. 
Uh, so, yes. you guys, uh, we're coming up with our fundraiser. Uh, it's coming up June 12th. So if you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar, and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. It helps keep us on the air. Stick around for the next hour for the Monday music. And Mark is sitting in for Flea. 